Hello, and welcome to Root for Each Other, a Branches podcast, where we take a meaningful look at the dynamics of domestic violence and how trauma-informed, inclusive advocacy can make a difference. And the opinions on this podcast are ours and do not necessarily represent the opinion of Branches. everybody welcome to another episode of root for each other this is shannon and i am here today with amber hey amber hi again everyone <laughs> and we are coming to you today with a question that we get asked a lot in a lot of different ways and we kind of wanted to address it here on the podcast it's something that i think a lot of people can relate to but basically that is the question of what do i do when my loved one is in a domestic violence situation amber i i know you've taken these calls cuz we all have mm-hmm. it's really heartbreaking and sometimes hard to guide people um when there's this idea of like feeling helpless they want to rescue that person or they don't understand why they're staying in this relationship. And, you know, usually by the time they get to the point that they're calling us, they're kind of at their wits end. Yeah. And I would say it's a large number of the calls that we actually take. Uh, we mentioned in one of our previous podcasts, the idea of support and what our hotline kind of like looks like on the end with advocates picking up the phone mm-hmm. and there are just more phone calls from people who really care about someone in a dangerous situation than at least I would have thought. And I think others would be um, maybe encouraged to reach out to get information and even be shocked to find out how many of those calls are loved ones just trying to get help for someone. Yeah. And, and I'm glad that you said that because I would like to just make a blanket statement that if you're listening to this and you're in exactly that situation, please still feel free to call us. We're always happy to take those calls. And we are so, so grateful that that person experiencing domestic violence has a support system, that they have someone that cares about their safety and their well-being. So please always feel comfortable to call us. Our hotline's available 24 seven. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I think the general public would be surprised to know how many of those calls we get. Yes. And a large part of what we do is trying to eradicate violence any way that we can. So any kind of like insider knowledge, it feels weird to say because everyone can be yeah. an advocate. You know, I'm, I'm working at a domestic violence agency, but I want every single person I know to know what I know and we can yes. work together to make places safer, make people safer. Um, So always call in, always ask those questions. Every situation is different. And that is maybe something that you could benefit from speaking with an advocate about. So what is the individual case and what are some different tactics that we know might help get someone help? Yeah. It's like the more, you know, um, (laughs) not to be a PSA, but truly, We're always talking about how we can't do it all. We would love to put ourselves out of business and in domestic violence totally. But to do that, we need community advocates. And so each time someone learns a little bit more about domestic violence or each time you reach out, each time you 
watch a documentary or read an article, anything that you're doing to learn is going to help your loved one. Um, that may seem strange because it's like, well, that doesn't mean that they're safe tonight. Uh, but the truth is the more, you know, the better you will be able to support them because at the end of the day, that's what we tell people is like, okay, here's a menu of options that are available to that person, but they are the expert of their situation. And so they're best able to predict what's safest, how their abuser is going to act or react, what their economic situation looks like, what their physical location, you know, their exit routes of their home, their support system or lack thereof. You know, sometimes it's an employer that's calling us even. And those are really hard calls to take because it's like that person clearly cares and wants to help, you know, mm -hmm. their employee or their coworker. But at the end of the day, that job still needs to be done. And, you know, I've had those conversations with people like, I don't want to fire someone, but if she doesn't leave, I'm going to have to. And so we, of course, still have to have that conversation like, well, she's the expert. So, if she doesn't think it's safe to leave right now, or if she's not ready to leave right now, all you can do is be supportive and let her know what's out there. Mm -hmm. So the more education, the better in that regard, I think. And I know, I mean, we've, we've already plugged once, but again, we have a catalog of resources um, on our website um, and throughout the year that anyone can request and get more information about. And we will, cater to whatever topic that we need to. We, we've done presentations on um, how to uh, provide safety in the workplace if we think that someone mm -hmm. is experiencing domestic violence. Um, friends, families, other service providers um, in the service industry is a huge one that a lot of people are finding out more about in like training sessions to be employed somewhere, which I think yeah. is really interesting. Uh, just, just remember that and always feel free to like reach out and find out more. And if we don't have that knowledge, we will find it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we're always happy to do trainings. We're always happy to have just a phone call conversation with one person, whatever you need. That's what we're here to do because we want that person to be safe too. There's so many people experiencing abuse in their homes. Um, it's just so much more prevalent than people realize. So the more education we can do, the better, which I feel like I just keep saying over and over, but it's true. So knowledge is power. Learn about the resources, pass them on, but that might not be easy to do. Amber, can you think of some ideas about how to pass on resources discreetly? Some some tips or tricks or or things that you've seen in the past that work? Yeah, um, we actually have what we call a safety plan um, interchangeably with a shoe card. Uh, they're very small, foldable documents that have kind of the skeleton of what perhaps someone should think about whenever they are planning to leave a dangerous situation. Um, and that can involve packing documents into a safe place or in your car a little bit at a time. So this is a just a small document that you can kind of write in 
different things with someone and it can be placed in your shoe. Um, it could also just be, you know, tucked in your, you know, undershirt, different things like that. Also health providers are in a really good place because of HIPAA to mm-hmm. pull someone aside and speak with them privately. I know not all people have that opportunity, but taking someone to a doctor's appointment and discreetly passing something to someone to get them alone so they can speak about it is really important. Taking advantage of any time that abuser is not in the presence of another person is really important. And getting a protected mailing address can be helpful. Uh, We serve as a protected mailing address for anyone who is interested. Um, And we talk about safe phone numbers, safe contact information. Outlining those are some of the basics to creating a safety plan and following up on it. Yeah. And we also are certified advocates with the Address Confidentiality Program um, that's run through the Secretary of State's office. So there's all sorts of things you can do as a loved one to help get that person to a place where they're ready to leave. Hey, have you thought about making copies of these documents or make sure that you have your birth certificate ready or pack a bag and you can leave it at my house. And if you need it, it'll be here for you at any time, whatever that might be, support that person's safety plan. It's, it's not easy and it, is the most dangerous time uh, when somebody has to leave a domestic violence situation. So even if you are just slipping them a shoe card, they know that you are patient and uh, willing to help them when they're ready. Emphasis should be placed on just being supportive. You have no idea how much that can just help. It may not feel like it in the moment, but just reiterating to someone who's in a dangerous situation, I am here for you whenever you're ready, however you're ready is really, really important. It's, you know, also beneficial to be ready to drive the getaway car if you, if you have that available to you, but not giving up on someone for the different decisions they have to make and different life circumstances that they're dealing with and being there for them, no matter what is really important because statistics tell us that it might take up to seven times for someone to finally leave a situation but they could be ready on the first time, but the support that they have can change how that goes. So that can be seeking resources or that could just literally be there with them through the process as well. I'm glad that you bring up the idea of patience. Um, I think even as advocates, it's harder when it's somebody that you know and love, it's harder to be patient with someone who seemingly wants to stay in a dangerous situation. It's hard to remember that they don't want to be abused, that, you know, they are the expert of their situation. We just want to go in there and rescue them. And I, even I've been in that situation. It's so hard to just sit back and watch someone you love being abused to worry that, you know, they may not make it out. This could keep them from, you know, having custody of their child. A lot of times people have a really hard time digesting that. And it seems like, oh, well, they're just choosing their abuser over their child. When in fact, you know, there's, there could be a myriad of reasons we don't know as Mm -hmm. to why they feel like, oh, the kids are safer somewhere else. But if I'm here, I can see what my abuser's doing, where they are at any given time. 
we just don't know. And even if you are close to someone, you don't know what it's like unless you're in that relationship. And I think it's important to remember, you know, we use a a training tool called the power and control wheel. It's on our website if you've never seen it. And essentially it's created as a way to show that all domestic violence, whether it's physical abuse, mental abuse, financial abuse, whatever it is, comes down to the idea of power and control. And one of the eight spokes on that wheel is isolation. And that's for a reason. Um, Abusers can take somebody, you know, into like a, a rural area and it might be geographic isolation, but more often than not, something I think we see in the majority of our cases is isolation by means of damaging relationships. Would you agree with that, Amber? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because I mean, we're reporting from Huntington, West Virginia. I am from a much smaller uh, community, but you know, the smaller the community, the more people, you know, that know more people, you know, it makes it harder to come forward with any kind of allegations or to seek legal remedies. So yeah, that, that is a tactic that is being used and just be mindful of that and really consider it whenever you're, you're thinking about the person you love and why won't they leave or why won't they seek a DVP, a domestic violence protection order, how knowing someone in your community impacts even more of the decisions that you're making. Yeah. And and maybe just not forgetting that there is intentionality there that, Mm -hmm. you know, don't give in to those abuser tactics. We see it all the time. It's, oh, well, you know, my mom and I don't get along anymore. We had a falling out or uh, none of my siblings will speak to me because of the way that he acted when I brought him over at Christmas or, you know, I used to have a, a really strong network of friends, but he didn't want me going out with them. And usually it starts somewhere small like that. I mean, you're not going to mm-hmm. give up on your family two weeks into a relationship, but the longer things go on and the more control that person gains over you, the easier it's going to be to like, oh, well, they made a big scene the last time we hung out with my friends and I don't want to do that. So your friends ask you to do something, go somewhere and you go, oh, I can't this time. You make excuses or you know, the abuser explicitly states, no, I don't want you hanging out with this person for this reason or, you know, So you start to lose touch and those friends start to go, you know, every time that we reach out to them, they don't want to hang out with us because of their boyfriend or their girlfriend or, you know, whoever their abuser is. And those relationships fray. And the Mm -hmm. more somebody is isolated, the easier it is for an abuser to continue to abuse your friends, your family, your, your close support system are going to be the first people to notice something's not right here and to try mm-hmm. and step in. So abusers isolate you. So mm-hmm. just as, as friends, family members, loved ones, coworkers, remember that there is intentionality behind the abuser damaging those relationships and maybe just be a little patient with your loved one. And if they pick a fight with you, even remember that they might be doing that out of some sort of influence from their abuser. 
And I would plead that you would be patient with us as advocates as well. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) As someone who's, you know, taken a, a call from someone who is obviously speaking from a place of caring, maybe not getting a response that they expected. Yeah. Like, oh, we're, we're sending the troops out right now. We're going to just break a window and, and come, come in there and, and get them. Just know that we're, we're approaching this from a place of understanding that domestic violence is dangerous. And um, our approach to um, helping make safe places mm-hmm. might be that we do not release information about a loved one who is receiving care from us. Or not calling 911 on behalf of someone who is not immediately asking us to call 911. So those are just some different things that I see. But Shannon, would you have anything else to add to that about what someone might expect from an advocate or an agency trying to get help from a loved one? Yeah, I think sometimes people do expect that that's what we do. And of course, when you're desperate and you you do care about your loved one, you want somebody to just bust into their home and rescue them. And unfortunately, we're not equipped to do that. We are advocates. We're here to support survivors in any way, but we are not the police at the end of the day. And we are not going to immediately call the police on your loved one's abuser. If we haven't spoken with them, um, that could put them in danger. Sometimes even, you know, we if we don't know it's safe to contact that person, we might call and the abuser picks up. Having made lots of those calls, it's really difficult and we try to sidestep. And, you know, if it's somebody we've had contact with before, we'll make plans for what to say if your abuser picks up, that kind of thing. So if you're contacting us and we haven't had prior contact with your loved one, just please know that. Um, and if we have had contact with your loved one, Also, please know that we are bound by confidentiality. Like Amber said, we can't talk to you about them without their permission, not just for a safety reason, not just for moral reasons, although those would be enough, but also we're legally bound. Um, You know, the Violence Against Women Act, VAWA, we as service providers, FIPSA, the the Family Violence Prevention Services Act, um, any licensed program that you're working with is not going to be able to give you information without the client's permission. It's it's literally illegal for us to do. It would put our funding in jeopardy. It would put our licensure in in jeopardy. We just don't do it because it's not safe for that person. And because we're coming from a place of empowerment, that's, you know, we're our mission is oriented around empowerment that um, the victim survivor is in control. So we will certainly take your calls, talk to you, tell you everything that we can tell you. But if you're not getting information back from us, please be patient with us and know that it's not because we're being, we're trying to be difficult or because we don't care, but it's our policy because it has to be. And I would also say that coming forward, seeking services, um, telling anyone that you're experiencing domestic violence can feel very much like you're out in the open um, Mm -hmm. and that people are able to judge your situation and and they will. So it is up to the survivor to determine if they want to share um, and, and how they do so. 
and just very plainly just try to consider how you might feel if just all of your information was blasted and told to anybody who just had a question about it. And even if you are an open person and you wouldn't mind to do so, that's just not everyone's approach. I've had situations where, you know, if I, I do court advocacy mostly. So sometimes if a protective order hasn't been served and they've, you know, come back for the hearing several times, those have to be served by law enforcement for there to be adequate service because there's firearms restrictions in them. But sometimes uh, abusers evade that service. They won't answer the door when law enforcement comes um, for that reason. They're trying to avoid it. So there is a provision in the law for that kind of a situation. And it's where there's service by publication. They, you know, family court likes to keep that as a last resort, but, you know, sometimes it's the only um, recourse that the victim has. And I've had people just totally be like, I just do not want any kind of like public awareness at all. And even if my name's not in it, I'm not comfortable with, you know, people will recognize their name and know what this is about. Oh, like Amber said, you might be somebody who's fine with having your business out there, but not everybody feels that way. And I'm going to go ahead and venture a guess that if you've been in a traumatic situation, you don't feel that way. You've experienced mm-hmm. things that the rest of us have not, and you know how bad it can get and how dangerous it can get. And you're not going to try and rock that boat. You don't want people to know. And it's why your loved one is lying to you about the situation. Um, please don't take it personally. They're lying to you to protect themselves, to protect you, to protect their children, all of the above. I think sometimes that's a that's one of the easiest ways for re- those you know relationships to fracture is, you know, I know I can see that it's happening and they just keep denying it. They just keep denying it. They obviously like it. They like the drama. They, you know, don't want help. No, they're lying because they don't want their business out because it puts them in greater danger. Disclaimer, personal opinion, Um, us protecting information and responding in the way that we do. We also are doing this for your safety as a loved one. Um, Mm -hmm. we, We don't encourage just charging in. It's not the best approach for everyone. We're thinking about loved ones and that cycle of violence and communities affected by violence. So whenever we're talking about different tactics of safety planning and what your loved one might be experiencing. We are considering you in that process as well. We care about you as well. We appreciate you calling in. We want to continue to receive calls like that. Um, And we want to engage with everyone about how we eliminate violence everywhere. Yeah. And sometimes you have to love somebody from afar. That's not something anybody likes to hear or even admit, but it's the truth. Sometimes, you know, you may just have to say, I'm here for you anytime. I'm here when you're ready. Mm -hmm. Please know that there won't be any judgment. Um, I mentioned this on our, one of our recent episodes about domestic violence in the media. Um, Evan Rachel Wood has a documentary about her domestic violence situation. And there's a scene where she, talks with her father. And she was like, it was so nice to know that, you know, he had just told her, Hey, you have a bed here, whenever you're ready, no judgment. Okay. I I see that you want to stay in this relationship or or you're staying in this relationship. Just know that you're here. And, you know, when she was able to leave, 
that's where she went. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we've had plenty of clients. It's, it's really heartwarming to see when somebody finally gets to a safe place, they get to reunite with their loved ones. One time was serving a client in August or September, maybe it was, it was late in the summer. And she mentioned like, Oh, I'm so excited. You know, my, my kids and I are going to go have Christmas with my mom. And it was like, Christmas in August. What? And she was like, yeah, we haven't had been able to, uh, you know, he, he wouldn't let us see her. And, and, and so she's so excited. We're so excited. We're going to go have Christmas. And th- it, that broke my heart, but also was just so heartwarming to see. Sometimes you're going to have to have a Christmas in August. Oh, that just gave me the fuzzies. It's <laughs> uh, yeah. Just be patient with your people. I, I've said that a million times, I feel like, but I can't say it enough. Yeah, that could, that could be our new slogan. <laughs> be patient with your people. <laughs> just, just be patient with your people, guys. <laughs> yeah, and, and don't let that abuser drive that wedge between you. And if they do, you know, sometimes it, it is safer to just say, hey, I'm, I'm not going to keep calling you or bugging you because I'm worried that, you know, you're paying the price after the door shuts or, you know, after you hang up, but I'm here and, and, you know, here's some information I got from branches or whatever domestic violence program covers your area. Here's some information on protective orders and, you know, Hey, did you know, you don't have to go to the police to get a protective order. Um, You don't have to report to go stay in an emergency shelter, you know, once you have all of that information under your belt, you can just give them that little seed of information and maybe it's not that day, but maybe soon after that seed will give them the courage. I would agree with all of that. And it seems like another thing that perhaps people don't think about, but sharing posts uh, from our agency branches dvs uh can be beneficial as well all of the things that we are doing uh donating to a local domestic violence agency and just engaging with domestic violence agencies is another helpful way to help someone you love who might be experiencing know that you're a safe place and also people that you you may not know but come to love yeah that's a really good point amber i mean you're on facebook with you know, hundreds of people, you know, and Hey, maybe they see that you're posting, you're sharing a lot of branches posts or you're, it seems like they're really interested in, in gender-based violence and they're, they're really kind of down for the cause. I don't know them that well, but I do know them. Maybe I can go to them and ask questions. So, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's not even somebody you're close to, but I think each of us as a community member has a responsibility to try and end domestic violence. Of course, I'm saying that because that's my, you know, the work that I do, but I really believe it. It's a public health issue. And so um, the the more that you put out there that you're a safe space, it, it can really end up saving somebody's life. Yeah. I'm, I'm paid by Branches Domestic Violence Shelter. But again, <laughs> I just want to, to mention that like I've had people in real life, like outside mm-hmm. of my nine to five who've experienced domestic violence and there's been a moment of what do we do? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so just learning more. I know we keep saying it, but just knowing better is, is doing better. Mm-hmm. Um, so just trying to find out that information all yeah, of it, the time. Yeah. And if you don't follow us, we're at Branches DVS on most socials. There's a resources and facts library at branchesdvs.org where we link to all sorts of helpful resources on the internet about domestic violence, maybe it's teen dating violence, stalking, financial abuse, all sorts of helpful information for you to know. Listen to our podcast, go, you know, listen to our, I just mentioned our, our DV in the media episode, go see what we recommend because maybe it's not safe for you to say like, Hey, do you need to go to shelter? I'll give you a ride. But maybe it's like, Hey, have you, have you watched that show made? And that person's like, no, but I'll check that out. And then they start to see like, wow, other people go through this too. I'm not the only one. I'm not alone. Or wow, look at how she's being judged. I really relate to that. You, you just never know what's going to reach someone. So being creative can, can really make a difference. And trying to engage as much as possible about safe relationships and different resources available in your area before an incidence of violence is really important. So um, just trying to find out what are safe places in your area and promoting that information is really important too, I would say. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. <laughs> you know, it's cliche, <laughs> but it's true. It's it true. Is. And, you know, we do, um, Amber, you mentioned earlier, our um, domestic violence in the workplace training reach out to us. We'll come talk to your office. We'll do a Zoom with your office. We've spoken to every group that you can think of. So please know that we're here. You can reach us 24-7 at (laughs) 304-529-2382. But do check out our website at branchesdvs.org. Amber, do you have any parting thoughts? Uh, Just that no one deserves to live in fear of abuse. So just keep that in mind. Thank you for listening and engaging with us about this topic. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for listening and engaging and please be safe yourselves. Always remember these are dangerous situations, so please don't put yourself in danger and call us. We'll safety plan with you at the heart of this episode. If, if it's ever about rooting for each other, this episode is is about rooting for your loved ones. So please, please um, just go out and root for each other. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this very special episode of Root for Each Other. We are Branches Domestic Violence Shelter, and we've been serving the communities of Cabell, Wayne, Lincoln, Mason, and Putnam Counties for 41 years. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, please call the Branches Hotline 24-7 at 304-529-2382. And hey, Sarah, guess what? What? Branches is proud to serve all. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Thanks, everybody. Go out and root for each other.